Welcome to the Bifocal Podcast with John White and Jason Himmelstein, where we talk about business intelligence and the Microsoft stack with news, interviews, and expert opinions from around the space. This is episode 165, recorded on October 23rd, 2020, where John and Jason start talking about the October 2020 Power BI update, things like dynamic M queries, a new SharePoint list connector, but don't quite get finished. You'll just have to come back next week for the rest. Morning, Jace. How are you? Morning, John. How are you now, buddy? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Fall day. It's actually sunny today, which is a change from the last week. Uh, ah. it, it's all crisp. The leaves are pretty much, well, most of them are down, but it's still pretty. So, yeah, it's nice. I know it's 90 degrees or whatever where you are. It always is. <laughs> well, yeah, it was yesterday, but I believe we have a cold front coming through. So today, it's right now, it's only like 75 degrees outside and it's kind of gray and overcast. It's going to top out around 80 today, but mm. we should have uh, some fall-like weather for a day or two coming up, I hear, next week. Like Jill tells me that maybe we're going to get some colder weather, meaning in the 70s for the highs. So... Fall yeah. weather. Okay. If you say so. Yeah. I mean, all of our leaves are still green on the trees. We're still you know, watering our garden and producing. I think we have 20-something eggplants on the vine nice. still. Nice. Uh, nice. Yeah. We've been eating bulgogi left and right. It's been awesome. <laughs> We've taken a liking to uh, to Korean barbecue-style uh, eggplants. Nice. Been fantastic. Nice. We've had a bumper crop this year, so we yeah. had to come up with some new ways of doing it. And, uh Yeah. But uh, this week, we have a new desktop. Yay! Yay! It's desktop week. Woohoo! Woo-hoo. A little and late that in means the month. We have, mm-hmm. Yeah, like, so that means that we're going to get the double goodness of a crammed up, you know, two desktops in a short period of time because... I don't think so. You know, John, I know you had your Thanksgiving this month, but yes, we did. American Thanksgiving, or as we refer to it, real Thanksgiving, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> is actually November. So I expect we're going to see the desktop come out in the first half of the month. Because everybody is going to want to take off for that latter portion of November. Your logic makes sense. Well, you know, every once in a while I, I have a, a good one. Let's go ahead and dive right in and let's start off with uh, with the first section here. So the first thing to note, we yeah. are going through blog.powerbi.com. This is the October service release and desktop release and mobile release, everything. They're simply referring to it as the feature summary for October 2020. And there is something notably missing. I noticed that. I thought you might be happy with this result. I am thrilled. Yaron promised this at at one point and he has delivered. So Jay, thank you for this. Uh, There are no animated gifts. We're back to videos, and they actually play when you want them to play, not continuously while you're trying to read text. Yes. It's really, really nice. Thank you to the team for doing that. But let's go ahead and dive right into the service. I'm probably going to mention this like five times throughout the whole episode. The, but yeah. The one thing you're going to know about this release is that you've got the new release. That's for sure. It's pretty pretty obvious that, uh, some, uh, that a change has occurred, right? What do you mean, John? Well, there's this new icon. Or is that... It's an icon. It's an icon. It's an icon. However, the amusing thing is, is that the video header mm-hmm. actually shows the old look. Yeah, of course it does. <laughs> so they have updated the icon on the mobile apps, on the desktop app, and Across on the, the Windows 10 app as well. That one was the first one that I noticed it on. Oh wow! Yeah. I so didn't use that because I was. 
I was explaining to some folks, you know, and I was saying, hey, by the way, you want to go to the store? And I looked, I was like, oh, by the way, you want to use the old icon, not the new icon. Oh, jeez. <laughs> because the, they, they updated the, the desktop after. So, but that's cool. Cool. And uh, yeah, so but, it was very cool to see that that's now updated. So they've fully switched everything over. But it's not just the icon, right? When you when you fire up desktop now, that, instead of just getting that splash, that uh, old splash screen with get data, you get this, you get that still. Which is a bit weird, but when if you dismiss that, you've got a you don't have a blank canvas anymore. You've got it's kind of like that get data experience in the service when you go in there for the first time and there's nothing there. They basically give you a number of options to start populating content, and so that's that's what's yeah, on they, your canvas until you put something on the canvas. Yeah, it's they refer to this as, as a wa- as the watermark. canvas watermark. Yeah, that one for me, I really don't like the name because watermark means it's something not really to a me. watermark. I agree. Yeah, I want to be able to and. I, at the at this point, there's not a native way to do be able to do watermarking because I want to be able to mark something as draft or something like have yeah. have something that shows up as a watermark on a report. It. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, but it's not image and on the page. But yeah, yeah, if this is PowerPoint for data, right? That's right. a native PowerPoint function that I think would be really nice for us to have. But that's okay. But back up just a half step, John, because as you're opening Power BI Desktop, how many you know? How often have you noticed it takes a while to open up Power BI Desktop? It does. It, it does. Loading model, right? And it takes a yeah. Time. Well, even a blank, yeah, it still takes a while. And the the thing is, is that we've never had a way to dismiss that before. Mm-hmm. Oh, and now yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. On the splash screen, there's actually the X at the top right. Like all of the Office products, you now can close that out. So if you if you basically if you launch it by mistake, right? That's what that's for. That's exactly what that's for. So yeah, you now get that capability. Simply, oh man, I didn't want to open this. I can close that out and no longer see the splash screen. It right. actually is animated. Shows you that it's working. Mm-hmm. But yes, you can X out of it, and it does not open anymore after you click on the X in the splash screen. So that's a, a nice thing because some people, you know, maybe they were trying to open the Windows 10 app. Yeah, I don't so, know why, yeah. but maybe they were, <laughs> were trying, or they clicked on the wrong icon. Oh, I didn't want now I have to wait two minutes because I have a, a slower computer. I've got Power BI Report Builder right beside desktop on my tray. And yeah. lately I've been, because the new icon, I've been opening up paginated Report Builder by mistake over <laughs> and again. <laughs> I got to train yeah, myself. I, yeah. I have them separated by another icon so that I don't make that mistake. All right. So, yeah. So, we've talked through Canvas watermarks. Yeah. You know, I think this is really nice for new users. Personally, I, I'm oh, not yeah. sure that I'm going to use it a whole lot. The, the, my one big gripe on this, John, and I don't know, have you checked out what each of the watermarked icons does? Uh, what, I actually have not because, like you, I've, you know, <laughs> this ain't my first radio. So, I tend not to j- jump into the get started stuff when you look at it you have import from excel which we encourage people not to do because when you publish to the service it's trying to access local file then you have import data from sql server Mm -hmm. then you have paste data into a table and try a sample data set now that's interesting the try a sample data set i think is really cool because if you're just evaluating what you can do with desktop, you it mm-hmm. means you don't have to have data at the ready to play with. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're just trying to evaluate. So that's going to let you get up and running and do some basic stuff right off the bat. I think that's cool. Yeah, and and they have two. When you click on it, it's a, it shows you two ways to use sample data. One is to take a tutorial online, mm-hmm. which takes you out to a, to the web and launches a web page and takes you over to the learning site for Power BI, which. It's a tutorial, it, really great stuff. And the other one is experiment on your own and load up data, mm-hmm. right? So 
when you click on that one, it goes off and it does stuff in the background and it actually has a data set for you. It shows up financialsamples.xlsx. Yeah. So something you can start to play with. Really great that they're giving you that as an option. And then underneath it, it does say get data from another source. So that will pop up your normal window data. to yeah. be able to actually go off and, and do the get data function that's in the ribbon. First one, not a big fan. Second one, import from a SQL server. Cool. That's nice. If people, if that's the main modality people are using, great. I assume that based on their telemetry, that was the one that they chose because they don't really do stuff without thought on these things. So really, really cool stuff. So the next one up here is personalized visuals is now generally available. Yeah, well, we've had it for a little while. The ability, this I think it's pretty cool. I think it's it's a nice option to have if. Uh, if you've got a report, you don't, you know, you're a report designer, you don't necessarily know all the questions anybody's going to be asking, which is frankly why you would use an analytical reporting tool in the first place. Otherwise, use a, just use an operational reporting tool like paginated report. <laughs> but, um, but, but if you don't, a user might want to start pivoting data. They really like the visual, but they want to just swap out, you know, how they're slicing their data. And personalized visual lets you do that on a user by user basis. So I think it's, it, I think it's got some value. I mean, uh, you made a point that, you know, if the report designer's doing their job, they won't need to. It, well, fair enough. But, uh, you know, they aren't always going to get it right. And I, I also, I, I believe in very, very much in the iterative nature of building out reports, you know, put something out there, see what people like. And if they can, if they can modify it to, so that they can come back and show you what it is they need, it might make that whole process simpler. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I applaud this. So, uh, a couple of things that I think they buried the lead here personally, yeah. the, the usability improvements that they've added. They now support drag and drop support within the field well. That's right. That's right. Now that's that's the ability to move a field from one section to another just by by dragging and dropping. That process was painful before. Yes, and this shows up in personalized. And John, I don't know if you've tried it yet. Mm-hmm. Not in the personalization right. section. I haven't. I haven't yet either. But I am definitely going to. I'm excited about this because if they did it here, I can't imagine them not having plumbed it into the other field well, that would be a huge miss in my opinion if they did. But the ability to do this in personalization is really nice because it makes it so that somebody doesn't have to know which thing they're going back to. Right. Like Because you know, you're probably going to have a whole bunch of stuff over there in, yeah, in the, all the queries and everything and measures and I, what am I looking at? I just want to flip this, right? Yeah. Or or potentially reorder in a table or matrix. Like I, That's what they really want to do and being able to just maneuver them is really nice. Hopefully, we get that functionality over in the main field well as well. But again, don't know. You know, uh, first time coach. Oh, so I was just going to say, you know what? I'd really like to be able to drag and drop. Definition of a measure from one table to another. How many times does that happen? You, you wind up, you go and cre- bake out, create a measure, but you, you've, you've attached it to a table where it doesn't really belong. Oh, I'll mm-hmm. just move it. Nope. Go recreate it. Go delete it and recreate it. And oh, I'd yeah. like to see that. Anyway, so that was a pet first time coaching, you know, so there's alongside the watermarks that we talked about earlier, there's a couple of pop up things that say, hey, you can now personalize this visual and, you know, your bookmarks are now personalized, all of this stuff. Also, there's a don't summarize option. And again, in the personalization, yeah, this is something that I really hope shows up and I haven't had a chance to actually play with it. Again, this desktop just recently dropped. I want to play with that and I want to see that happen across table and matrix normally just in the main field. Well, if it's not there right now, I desperately want this. It's there. 
It's there. Yeah, 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 one hundred percent. I use this fairly frequently, especially when um, if you're if you're going to rec- uh, create a uh, report straight in the service and you've got don't have the ability to change that metric, you can go and just change the uh, don't summarize to or or whatever even sum. Yeah, but we need that for card and other things like that mm, as well. Yeah, so fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. This is exciting to me because it it suggests like a lot of the other things that they're starting to do this elsewhere. So That's that good. don't summarize is a really critical one because I don't always want to do a math function. I just want to see the raw number. So and we're having to do that other ways right now. Enable and disable settings at a page level, cool. And then now there's embed for your organization, John. This is uh, something I think that you're you're probably interested in. I think this is just the, the Teams integration that we've seen just recently. Basically the ability to put the report directly in, in power. I don't think there's anything new here. I, I, I might be missing something, but uh, it's just, uh, it, it, I think it's just our, our, our the basic. Uh, I think it's just the personalized bookmark. I I think this this still ah, falls under the yes it is that's exactly what they're talking about yeah the fact that your personalized bookmark you can you can embed the report with your personalized bookmark in teams so that's yes. yeah using the embed codes that is exactly what that is that makes sense okay all right so the next one up here is data point rectangle select and yeah you know, we've had this for a little bit but now we have it for tree map as well and i don't think we really need to go into any more detail well, if you've heard us talk about the data point rectangle select, uh, that's, uh, it's starting to, as, as we've said, uh, starting to see more of the things that they're working on spread to other visuals as well, right? Yeah. So uh, we can expect that this will probably happen for other visuals over time as well. They're sort of hitting one, and it feels like one a month. We're starting to see more things. It's like, hey, this is here, and now we're starting to spread it elsewhere, and it sort of follows a pattern. Makes sense. We have now gotten to the analytics section, John, and we're going to pause for a sponsor break before we get to it. All right. This episode of the Bifocal Podcast is sponsored by Tygraph, the award-winning reporting and analytics platform for Office 365. Get the full picture of your Office 365 network by using Tygraph. See how customers leverage its actionable insights to better understand their organization's usage, collaboration, and adoption patterns. Try Tygraph today. Sign up for a free trial at tygraph.com. All right. Well, in the uh, spirit of things coming, you know, further across the board, broadening out the features, we can now export data in the Q and A visual, which is pretty cool, right? You know, the ability to go in, you know, go into a visual and export data is, you know, do a sanity check on what's going on in behind the scenes, maybe you know, even copy it or export it out to use it somewhere else. The Q&A visual is kind of uh, unique in the in the fact that it's just responding to natural language queries. So theoretically, it's, it's just answering questions on the fly. And now you can get the data in behind that. So you can ask the question, get the visual, grab the data and run with it. Not a huge fan of the idea of exporting data out of a an interactive report personally in this particular fashion. In a lot of the cases that I'm working with uh, in, in my day-to-day world, we actually turn off this feature. It's nice that, that we have the capability because not everybody's going to have access to pag- to be able to export in a paginated report type of fashion because, you know, there's not a per user option for premium or anything. Oh, wait, that's coming. <laughs> but, you know, this, How much? It, nah, I don't know. <laughs> so, but the idea of this is it's a quick and dirty way, I'm going to refer to it that way, of taking the yeah. data from a visual yeah. and just be able to have it in an Excel workbook and be able to now do some other validations against it. And we've seen the uses for that uh, in, in my day to day. But beyond that, we really 
you know, if you want to be able to work with that data in another fashion, exporting into a paginated report is the way that I've been preaching to people to go off and do. It's an option. Yeah. Yes. So that's the end of analytics this month. It Short is. Short analytics section. However, the data prep section, John, I think it's you're really excited one. about some of this. I am. I, the, everything in here, I, th I think, is, is a pretty big deal. But the first one, I think, is potentially huge, if possibly a bit niche, which is dynamic M query parameters. Boom. <laughs> I know. It's exciting. It's a preview sexy feature. Name. Yeah, exactly. Sexy name. It's a preview feature, which means, of course, you have to go into desktop and turn it on to be able to use it. But it's pretty cool. It's kind of, let's see if I can explain this <laughs> properly. If you've got, M is, of course, Power Query, right? The language mm -hmm. behind Power Query. And it all, by the way, this is specifically for direct query data sources. It only makes sense yes. in the context of direct query. So direct query, it means essentially I'm passing all of my queries back to my, my source data system. And I can parameterize a query. I can do that today. I can go in there and say, uh, have a, well, in the case of, say, I want to look at my Twitter database, I can go mm -hmm. into my query and say, show, uh, give me all the tweets with this search hashtag. Right. So I'm only going to get back from the source system those that I've asked for this way. I could create a parameter in Power Query and fill that out. And then every refresh, in the case of refresh, is only going to get those. If it's direct query, it's only going to get that subset when you make that call. The cool part about this is now I can take, because I can take, I basically can modify the query using the advanced editor and use that, that, that parameter name. All right. That's how it's done. What the dynamic M query parameters allow us to do is to bind the value of a filter or a slicer right back to that parameter. So in real time, and that's why direct query matters, a user can select a value and essentially go and go and retrieve a different subset of data from that source system. And that's potentially quite powerful. So John, my big question on this is when you read it, note, the following direct query sources are not supported. Mm -hmm. T-SQL-based sources like SQL Server, Azure SQL Databases, Synapse SQL Pools, aka Azure SQL Data Warehouse, and SQL, uh, Synapse SQL On-Demand Pools. Yeah, it works with others. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it not a lot. Of, there's not a lot of those data sources. I'd like to see it work. Frankly, I, I had a a case where I wanted to have this populated through, for, through a data flow using, using the advanced computing engine, right? Mm -hmm. That should be on the list. It's not supported either. Um, <laughs> you can't do that because you can't modify that query. It works well, with but Kusto. That's, a T, that's it. But that's a T-SQL-based data source, yes, it, right? It, it, it is. At the end, not everybody knows that, but it is. The other thing, it says uh, live connected data sources like Azure Analysis Services, SQL Server Analysis Services, Power BI data sets, not supported. Yeah. Other data sources, Oracle, Teradata, Relational, SAP HANA, not supported. Uh, Partially supported through XMLA endpoint and and you know is SAP BW and SAP HANA like you saw you what saw the does word, work you saw the word preview above what what, what works Kusto Kusto okay, works so, <laughs> so if you are using Kusto this is this is great or log Obviously, analytics there you go or application insights because you know that's this isn't all that well known either I've got a blog post on how to do this you can actually connect Power BI to uh, log analytics using a proxy address that gives you the direct query access you need to be able to do this. There we go. So, but uh, just looking at it, the majority of the direct query sources are listed as not supported. Yep. Again, to your point, John, it is a preview yep. feature. Yep. We expect over time that may change. There's no commitment on it, yep. but 
it's saying that the following sources are not supported today. So, you know, just be aware before you start down the path, make sure that you are selecting a source that is supported. And I'd like to see just a list of the ones that were supported. <laughs> <laughs> <That'd be kinda laughs> nice. Might have been easier than that would have been a lot easier. Work. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now that I have sleuthed that out, let's let's move on to the next one, which well, is automatic next... de table detection for me. Oh, did you have something else? No, I was just gonna say the next two are pretty much the same sort of thing with different um, different sources. Is all yes. Automatic cable detection. Are you drowning in spreadsheets? Are you gasping for a better reporting solution? Let Marquee Insights throw you a lifeline. They can help you chart a course to success with Power BI, then get underway quickly with one of their quick start solutions while learning the ropes from their experienced staff. If you're ready for reporting bliss, go to MarqueeInsights.com and click the Get Started button and learn how they can help you make better, faster decisions with smarter data. So automatic table detection from Excel and JSON files. And this is really cool. This is something that we've had in other sources for a while. Web in right? particular, so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so the the web has has given us this functionality, which is really nice. It's recommended tables, basically. But instead of it just being a suggested table, it's pulling the tables that it detects. So if you name your tables that's, that's in always your Excel that file, yep. yeah, mm -hmm. then it's going to pull it for you. So. But it's, it, but it's it, it has it, the, the big plus here is it now has the ability to imply a table from an Excel file, from a worksheet. So it'll go and figure out what tables it, there might be. And that's, you know, it, working with XLSX before it, you had to go and oh, mark this as a table. Oh, then it's easy. Then, then it works like a champ. But the Excel, that's one thing. There was always a workaround for it. JSON files, that's a biggie for me. Yeah. Because JSON, the format is very flexible, which means you have no idea what kind of schema is going to be coming at you. And it's got nested data. And it's a it's kind of an advanced thing to be able to um, point at a JSON data source and be able to go through it and get it in a tabular fashion that you might want. At, at any given JSON may, depending on its structure, might generate, say, seven or eight tables. What this is going to, and be cautious when you, if you've got complex JSON like that, where you've got a whole lot of one-to-many relationships essentially embedded within that JSON file in a hierarchical format, this isn't really going to help you that much. It's going to let you see what's what, what's happening, but it's going to give you one great big monster of a flat table. So if you've got a lot of hierarchical data, you, you may want to back it off after you, after you bring the stuff in. But in the casual stuff where you've got one-to-one um, -one relationships within there, it, it's not going to make you have, it's not going to make you navigate through that source of the JSON, the structure of the JSON, which is what you had to do previously. I've already used it a few times myself. It just, it just makes, it gets, gets you up and running a, a whole lot quicker. And by the way, when it does it, it's not some magic thing that says, here's what you got. That's all there is to it. It actually goes through and gives you the the steps in Power Query. So if it does something you don't like, you can go back and change it. That's I, I nice. think that's very valuable. Yeah. Yeah. So that is uh is about all for that particular section. And John, I think we're now through three out of like eleven sections. Yeah, of this thing. yeah, we better keep going. We better keep <laughs> cranking here. So data connectivity section, there's some stuff that I think we're gonna maybe ramble on about, but let's let's knock out the beginning. Broader geographic support for power platform data flows connector mm -hmm. and Maria D 
DB now supports direct query. Yeah. So see how I glossed right over the data power platform. Yeah, yeah it's one. more. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and, so, and, and we got another direct query source, MariaDB, so that's good. Hey, I wonder if it supports dynamic M parameters. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> it's, worth, it's worth going off and looking. Maybe somebody who uses MariaDB Maria will let us know. know. No, the big so. one for me and for you, I'm sure here, is that there's been a change to the SharePoint online list connector, and it's a good change. There's a new interface that you can select, two versus one. I'll always pick two. Don't really know <laughs> what the differences are between them. I'm gonna I gotta assume that two is better. But the big deal here is when you do when you connect to a SharePoint online list, you have the option now of selecting all columns or returning all columns from the database, or just the columns that are in the default view of I call it a database. It's a SharePoint list. It's a SharePoint list. <laughs> I want to. I it really is a SharePoint it. list, Sean. So you and I are SharePoint guys. Remember, sure like, that's how this whole thing started for yes. us. Was we were SharePoint guys doing business intelligence. So we've been preaching to people what you can report on in yes. SharePoint and the connecting up to the list. And for years now, we've been saying, "Hey, look." You need to understand what the columns are. We wrote some white papers for Microsoft. We do it. We've done, you know, you've done blog posts. We've talked about it ad nauseum about the fact that when you connect up to a SharePoint list, SharePoint, uh, you know, Power BI does not respect SharePoint. It's not, it just shows you everything. And SharePoint intentionally hides a lot of stuff. There's a lot of things in a SharePoint yeah. list that people should not see, mm-hmm. right? And so we've always like connected to a SharePoint list and then said, okay, just go select the columns you want and remove everything else, right? Mm-hmm. And there's some things that you want to take a look at, like list values as text, really important one Field, that yeah. you want to be able to, to leverage still. If you're trying to get down to that level, but if you're just trying to pull uh, text and new numbers back, like you're using SharePoint list for, for counting important information, the default view is really what you want. You don't want everything. That's right. And we've never had that before. This is what that gives us. It gives us the ability just to connect up and only see what we're showing in the SharePoint default list view. So when somebody goes to SharePoint, they see the same thing as when they come to Power BI. That's what this is. Almost, yeah. And by the way, I think the, the big value here is that casual users are not going to wind up pulling back 10, 20, 30 times more data than they actually need to, which is what you'd do if you didn't go and remove all of the columns you didn't need before. So if you pick that default view option, that's not going to be a problem. Here's what is going to be a problem. Complex field types. So there are ways, depending on what the, what the field type is, I'll use a person field as an example. A person field is not going to return the name of the person. It's going to return the ID of the person in another SharePoint list. It's a hidden list, uh, the user information list at the root of the SharePoint site collection. If you get all of the columns, there's that, mad. you mentioned it. You mentioned that magic column called field values as text. It's a wonderful, wonderful feature because you can go in there and get that textual representation out of that column. If they simply added that column to the view, you know, default view, plus field values as text. Or what I really think should happen is that default view option should just render the textual representation of all of the all of the field values the same way you would see it in a list. That would be ideal. But I think this is a really nice step in the right direction. I completely agree with you, John. I think uh, they've done a good job with this. Yep. And I'm excited to play with it a little bit more than I have so far. But, you know, I think... It's important to remember SharePoint is not a database. SharePoint is not, neither is Excel. Excel is is not a database. Excel is not a database. SharePoint is not a relational database. Yes. So, but John, I think 
this is a point where we should really pause the show. Mm-hmm. And you know what? There's too much to cover in one show here. You, know, you th- think? Yeah, I think really it is. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're at half an hour already. There's so much good stuff in that's coming in the monthly release. We may have to start breaking this into two. So Maybe. Yeah, I know everybody who's listening is was excited to hear us talk about Embedded and uh, you know the template apps and everything. <laughs> You're going to have to wait for another week because there's just too much here for us to cover off in one week. I, I will say, hopefully you heard th- about the Power Platform conference that uh, occurred on uh, the 22nd. It is available on demand, so definitely mm-hmm. go off and check that out. We'll throw a, a link to that in the show notes. But definitely recommend you go off and, and take a look. There were a lot of great community sessions by a lot of uh, neat folks doing interesting stuff. And you know, our friend Heather Newman uh, co-hosted alongside John Levesque. And thank you to Heather for giving us a shout out in in the show. Uh, mm-hmm. She did throw a slide up there and, and mention the podcast. So very cool of her. I only got to watch her a little bit just because my day was very jam packed. But I am catching uh, bits and pieces uh, on you know at, sort of after the fact. I was watching Admodin does some really cool stuff in his session. Uh, you know with magic. Just it was neat. That's uh, cool. Magic the Gathering. It just I'm excited to really be able to just sort of sit down with my cup of coffee tomorrow morning after. I watched the live show with uh, Adam and Patrick on the Guy in a Cube channel and uh, and see uh, see really what he was talking about, what he was digging into, because I didn't get a chance to really dive in. So with that, John, I think it's time for us to wrap today's show. We're not going to do picks this week. Uh, no. We're just going to punt into next week, and we'll see what other news uh, occurs. But so we'll second finish, half, we'll finish of this off. B- yeah, Actually, yeah, yeah. Second half of the Power BI October 2020 feature summary will be next week as well. So excellent. With that, buddy. I think it's uh, time for you to go uh, enjoy your Friday. I'll, I'll go do that. Kick it into gears. Have a good one, my man. Talk to you, bud. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Bifocal Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or via your favorite podcast app. You can follow us on Twitter at Bifocal Show. The show notes for this and all of the Bifocal Podcasts can be found on the Bifocal.show blog. The music for the Bifocal Podcast is Indie Rock by Scott Holmes and is shared under Creative Commons. 